I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today, I'm here with Fred Moskowitz. Fred is an educator and best-selling author. He's trained countless investors uh, on how to create passive income streams of their own. He's also a fund manager and manages a mortgage note investment fund, which uh, I said this before we started recording, but I'm, I'm super excited because this is the first time we've, we've talked about note investing on this podcast. So first of all, let me say thank you, Fred, for coming on the show today. Thank you, Jason. Glad to be here. Why don't we start with you just telling everybody your background, kind of how you got started and, and uh, you know, then we'll work our way towards, towards where you're at now. Great. Yeah. So I started out uh, having a very successful career working as a computer engineer. Uh, I loved, absolutely loved the engineering field. And I spent a lot of time working in technology startup companies. And uh, let me tell you, Jason, it was super exciting because I got to work through the evolution of the internet, basically, uh, during that time. And it was super exciting. And I was actually uh, spent some time working for a company where what we were doing was traveling all over Latin America, deploying internet services for people for the first time. So it was was pretty cool. Uh, And what happened was I saw my industry just get turned upside down because we had the the dot-com boom, right? Right. But then that was followed by the bursting of the dot-com bubble and the September 11th terrorist attacks and all these turmoil. And then there was an economic downturn. And so through all that, I started to realize that uh, I was very dependent on the income from my job, dependent on that paycheck. And because that was my only source of income, I was taking on this huge, massive risk because I had no other income source. And, you know, things would get a little unstable and and uncertainty creeping up around every corner. Um, And so what I decided was that I wanted to find other sources of income for myself so that, yes, I could work, I could have my job that I loved. However, uh, I wanted other sources of income so that in case anything happens, I still have uh, I still have backup. And so I turned to real estate investing. I saw that was a great vehicle, uh, saw a lot of people around me do very well with it. And uh, I started on that journey. I started buying, buying some rental properties in uh, in my local market in Philadelphia, and uh, was doing really well with it. Uh, I love the cash flow, and I love the the idea of building wealth over a long term. And um, and so that that was fantastic. But what I found was after a couple of years. I saw that, hey, you can keep adding 
adding more properties to your portfolio, but how, how can you really scale that yeah. into, into larger numbers? And so that, that was on my mind. And uh, around the same time, um, through my real estate education, I started uh, hearing about node investing, about the idea that you can invest in the debt, own the note, and be receiving monthly payments, just like the bank would. And that was very intriguing to me. And um, a number of years later, I um, I had the opportunity to buy buy notes from someone that I knew it was through a relationship I had. And, and I saw that and I knew right away, I said, you know, this looks like something I could really scale and leverage into something big. And so, um, so I started doing that. I uh, started out with a couple of notes and over time was growing my portfolio. And, um, and so what started to happen, Jason, was that uh, I was very involved in investor groups in my local uh, RIA, Real Estate Investment Association, very active there. And so I was always speaking, speaking at events, at conferences. I would speak at note industry conferences as well. And um, a lot of people would be coming up to me saying, hey, Fred, I love what you're doing with note investing. You seem to be very successful with it. You've got this figured out, and um, it looks like a great business, but it's complicated. It seems complicated. Seems like there's a, could be a lot of pitfalls, and um, and I just don't have time to to get involved in something like this. So I was thinking, you know, Fred, could I maybe invest money with you? Could I could I give you money and you take that and go buy notes with that? And for the longest time, I turned that down. I said. Yeah, you can't real. You're not supposed to be accepting money uh, like that from investors. You run afoul of SEC regulations, and there's all kinds of laws around that. And so, for for years, I would turn that down. I said, "No, I, I can't do that." Um, but after after some time of this showing up over and over again, I decide, you know, maybe I'll, I'll take a, another look at this. And so I um, decided I'll set, if I'm going to accept investor capital, I'm going to set up a proper note fund, a proper investment vehicle with all, with all the uh, SEC disclosures and offering documents and do everything the right way. And so a hired securities attorney started working with them. Um, and let me tell you, it was a lot of work. Like anything else, the first time you okay. do something, it's a little overwhelming. But yeah, but uh, it took like like six months meeting with the SEC attorneys and CPAs and compliance experts and all of that. And it took about six months, but we eventually got it all done. And I had my first note fund up and running, and uh, we did really well with that. Um, and then eventually added a, another fund, and it's just been been wonderful that way. Uh, but it, it's it's really uh, been a great business, and um, that that's in a nutshell how how I got started and how I got to where I am today. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. I mean, I talk to a lot of guests in in you know that theme of I started in single family, mm -hmm. and then I realized that I couldn't scale that the way I wanted to. And then most people then say, 
I went to, <laughs> I went into commercial real estate. I yeah, started multifamily, multifamily or whatever, you know, most people go that, but, but you went note investing, which I think speaks to a couple of things. One, I just, that the, the opportunities in real estate are, are almost endless. There's a lot of different yeah. ways you can do things, but also I think that's just a, a, a very different way of thinking. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not that different. And, and that's what I'm excited about, you know, excited to dive into here is I know you said you got these notes from from uh, someone in your network. H- how did you how did you come across that? What did you do at first? I mean, really, maybe you can break down some of the the nitty gritty of of how it all what the process is for for sure I, sure happy to into note yeah yeah happy to unpack that. Um, but maybe let's start by just talking about what is known investing, right? Um, sure, sure. Um, for some people and maybe hearing about this for the first time. So note investing is the idea of investing in the paper. You're buying the notes and mortgages associated with real estate. And uh, what I found is a lot of people, they like investing in real estate, whether it's single family houses or commercial property or multifamily or maybe vacation property, maybe doing some of those short-term rentals, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, just about every single one of those transactions is financed using a note and a mortgage, right? And uh, this is a very interesting part of the real estate business, because what I found is that a lot of real estate investors, they don't pay any attention to it. And when they think of a note and a mortgage, they think of being the borrower and not as being the lender. And, um, and so when you you buy a note, you're basically putting up your capital in exchange for a secured lien. It's backed by real estate, backed by collateral. And then you um, take over that contract. So all the rights and remedies that were afforded to the lender that originated that note, that transfers to you. And so effectively, you are going to be stepping across the aisle because you're going from being the one making the monthly payments to being the one receiving them each month. And you step into the shoes of the bank. Now, banking and lending, it's been around for since biblical times, right? And um, long, long time ago, banks figured out that they would rather be in the business of lending money and being a lien holder instead of owning properties and being a landlord. And it's just their business model. Uh, not Nothing right or wrong with that. But um, it's just a business model. And I, I think it's it's really powerful. And for anyone that's already involved in real estate, it's a great way to diversify. Because what um, Node Investing does, it's strictly, it's a cash flow business. So this uh, really will increase the predictability of your cash flow as an investor. Um, and and, and it's, a, it's a great niche. I, I love it. Uh, I also love real estate. I think real estate has a place in everyone's portfolio, owning real estate, owning rental property, a lot of benefits for that. But if you want to diversify or, or you're looking to scale larger, node investing is can be an interesting business to look at. And um, there's a lot of different ways to get involved, whether you want to be actively involved in the note business or you want to be passive, a passive investor. That there's ways to do that as well. Yeah, it, and so I guess 
the the passive the passively investing way is is I guess fairly straightforward in the sense that you know if you've got a fund, someone can invest with you and and you know sort of just as they would in any other sort of syndication model. Correct. Um, are there are there tax benefits that come with this? You know, with real estate, we we talk about depreciation and things like that. I'm, I'm yes. I, I'm guessing that you know I don't I don't know what the tax benefits would be in a in a uh, note investing. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great question, Jason. There are no tax benefits whatsoever. Note investing generates tax liability, hands down. That's it. You you generate tax liability, you have capital gains, you have interest income. Um, So you have to find other strategies to use to offset that. And one of the most powerful ones that I love talking about, and I teach about this, I speak about this to our investors all the time, is using the benefits of tax advantage accounts, like self-directed IRAs or Roth Mm -hmm. IRA, because you can use those funds to invest in notes to invest by individual notes, or you can invest into a note fund. And then you have um, shielding from that tax liability, which is a very powerful combination because uh, you have all that income coming in. And if you're able to defer or eliminate taxes, if you're using a Roth, that's very powerful because that, that really boosts your rate of return. Yeah, for sure. That that makes a lot of sense. And it's not, I, I don't, hopefully I didn't give you the impression that I was uh, suggesting that was a bad, a bad thing to do notes because, because of the tax uh, no, implications. It, it's just yeah. one of, you know, one of the things I've been curious about. And I think the reality is, is that as you look at diversifying your portfolio, you can come at you can come at all of this from different angles, right? If if the note investing is is that you know predictable cash monthly cash flow play, great. And then you do you know like you said, you invest through your tax advantaged accounts, or you have uh, other real estate that you can use your depreciation. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of different ways to to put it all together. Um, so on the on the passive side. What uh, what what sort of returns can if someone's investing in a in a note fund? What sort of uh, returns would you expect them to to be able to? I mean, obviously yeah. this changes, but what what kind of ranges are we looking at? There are um, there are so many so many different uh, types of note funds out there. Uh, really, it comes down to your risk tolerance. Uh, just to give you an idea. <clears throat> Uh, it can be anywhere from 6% on the low side um, for funds that invest in um, low-risk notes, no right. low-risk mortgages. Um, and if you're willing to take on some risk, it goes up higher, 8%, 10%, maybe even 12%. And you start getting into things like um, notes that, don't have a strong track record uh, on payment history on them, or maybe it's a note fund that invests in hard money loans to investors. There, there's just all these different strategies. So um, I, I would say between six and and ten percent is most prevalent what I've sure. seen out in the marketplace. But it comes down to what you're um, what you're comfortable with, and um, and then from there you you can evaluate. 
Right. And it, so if you're the, the active investor, right, you're, you're mm-hmm. running the fund, you're doing, can you talk a little bit about sort of what goes into that? Like, how do you find, and, and you can talk specific to, to how you structure your funds, but, you know, are you looking for these, um, I'm going to use the wrong terms, but like the stabilized notes versus the ones that are distressed. How are you, um, how are you, what's your strategy, I suppose, when you're, when you're looking for these for your fund? So my strategy is we buy in volume, we buy in volume. And so when you do that, you end up with a mix, a mix of assets, a mix of quality level and, and all of that. And um, and we're okay with that. We're we know how to handle different different asset types, and we have the right vendors working with us to help. Um, and it, it just comes down, you know, like like anything else. If you are a real estate investor and you're going to do a rehab project, you're not going to do a, a complex gut rehab on the first deal you've ever done, right? Right. right. Um, Yes, that's something you can work up to, but not re- recommended to start. And so with notes, it's the same thing. There's a lot of um, a lot of problems that can come up. And if you're able to f- fix those problems, and it's like anything else, with enough time and enough money, just about any problem can be corrected and addressed. And so it, it comes down to having the knowledge and skill set and um, the wherewithal to, to do that. And so that allows you to take on, maybe take on riskier types of notes or notes that have a known, a known issue that has to be corrected. Um, it happens all the time. But, but back to your question, what we do, uh, we buy in bulk. So we'll, we end up with a mixed bag. There'll be, you know, we might buy uh, 50 loans in a pool and you you take the whole thing, the good and the bad, and uh, work with that accordingly. But for for an investor, individual investor that's looking to buy notes, you can buy one or two notes, and from there you can be very specific about what you want, what you're willing to take on, and what you're not willing to take on. Um, it, it comes down to understanding what you're doing, knowing what to look for, and having a good due diligence process in place so you can identify any issues because you want to know about them before you buy, not after, like anything else. That, that's a key, a key point. Uh, so the due diligence is, is very important as something that uh, – I've developed, and I would say a lot of my skill sets from being an engineer has carried over, have carried over into the due diligence process um, that that we use because uh, that's what helps you. It helps you to determine determine what notes you're going to buy, the pricing you can pay, what kind of returns you're you're willing to take on, and risk that you're willing to take on as well. Right. So. When you, you know, we talk again, I, I mentioned this is the, sort of the first time with with notes on the show. We talk, we've talked a lot about the due diligence behind an apartment complex, what you're going to look for and that sort of thing, what that process is. How does that look when you're, you're, you know, you're buying these notes in bulk? Yeah. What What is that due diligence process that you're going through um, to, you know, kind of 
I, I guess that's going to impact what you're going to pay and all of that. So, so what are you looking for? I, I, I'm, this might be wrong, but I'm assuming you're not actually going to each of the properties. Your due diligence no. is on the, the actual sort of paper, if you will, itself. Yes. No, that, that's correct. No, we're definitely not going to the properties. Um, not at all. So it, the, that's some, some investors have, they struggle with that. They want to buy if they want to buy a note. You're probably not going to see the property. Um, in a lot of cases, you're actually not allowed to um, to to do that because of privacy um, right. reasons. Especially, you, you don't own the note. It's one you're thinking of buying. You're not you're not allowed to talk to the borrower or or anything. However, it, it's totally acceptable to uh, have an exterior inspection done uh, where for a very nominal fee, someone will go out to the property, take some pictures from the outside, assess the condition exterior only of the property. And as you know, in real estate, a property that looks good from the outside most likely is going to also look good from the inside as well, right? Are the... uh, the, is the exterior kept up maintenance-wise? Is there peeling paint? Is the lawn 14 inches high with three junk cars uh, in the front lawn, right? Is that what it looks like? Uh, or do you see a property where um, it's well-kept, it shows pride of ownership, the uh, landscaping is well-manicured and, and taken care of? And, and so that gives you gives you a perspective but some of the other due diligence that that gets done, right? You you look at the credit report, the borrower. You look at the payment history. What's the track record like? That's so important because uh, a track record for the past 12, 24, 36 months tells a lot about the borrower, about the performance of the loan. And then you look at things like how much equity coverage is there and the local real estate market. And all of those types of um, aspects, and um, and then yes, we look at the the documents themselves, the note, the mortgage, is everything proper? There's a chain of ownership. Is that all correct? And with all the documents in place, and so those are some of the high level high level due diligence steps that um, that we do. And another important factor is what position is your loan in. That you're considering, is it in first position? Is it a senior loan, or is it in second position? Maybe it's in third position. That's okay. Nothing wrong. Um, some people shy away from buying junior liens that might be in second or third position, but they they can be very uh, very good notes. You just have to know what to look for and the nuances around them. Um, other due diligence points are the taxes paid. Are the taxes current? Is there a homeowners association that comes into place at that property? And is that current as well? So you want to look at all of those things um, at a high level to, to give you some direction so that you know up front if there's any problems that you'll be facing. And if you buy this loan, Maybe if there's some issues, you can negotiate a better discount when you buy because you're going in knowing that, hey, I'm going to have to reinstate some delinquent taxes or um, deal with a homeowners association um, dues that are not current or any any type of things like that. Or there's a title issue that needs to be corrected in the uh, paperwork. 
So th- those are some of the things to to look for, and that's what we we do in our due diligence process. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I guess in a lot of ways you're doing you know similar due diligence to what you would on a, on a commercial property, but without that you know sort of physical inspection, right? You're looking at all of the other you know, the taxes, the title, all, all of those things. Yes. Um, and then the you know that I guess. <laughs> the tenant, I guess, the the borrower things, you know, side of it is similar to looking at, you know, sort of the tenant base and all of that. Yeah, what? it is. But there's one big difference, I'll say. Um, you're dealing with, it's the difference between dealing with the homeowner mindset or a tenant mindset, because right. um, the homeowner, they want to stay in their house mm-hmm. They take care of the property. They have pride of ownership. Mm-hmm. Their children go to school. They have a good family, um, you know. And if maintenance is needed in the property, they take care of it. If the water heater breaks, it gets it gets repaired or replaced. Yeah. If the roof needs to be repaired, they're not going to call the 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 bank, the lender, to say, right. "Hey, we need a new roof." They just get it right. done. But in the tenant mindset, right? Anything goes wrong, any minor maintenance issue. Oh, the doorknob broke. A lot of times that they'll, you know, what happens that the the intent management intense um, intensity of it really starts to ramp up. So that those are some of the differences between what I, I say is the mindset of a tenant or the mindset of a property owner. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I guess, you know, you're, you're definitely (laughs) the number of times I talk, you know, on on my own home, like the number of times I talk to the actual bank once the loan is closed is, is virtually never. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I guess that's, you know, versus those, you know, tenants calling with, with things like you said, the things that are broken and what. So, so definitely the management intensity is, is much lower and it's probably more, uh, you know, your focus is on that due diligence on the front end. What about, what about those notes that, that are distressed? Like you've got, you know, maybe you're, you're purchasing one that, that the tenant hasn't been paying or whatever. I'm assuming that's, you know, you're, you're doing that because you're getting it at a discount, but, but what kind of things do you have to do to, to fix those problems? Yeah, a couple things. There's um, there's a lot of compliance and regulation around this. So uh, let me preface all of this by saying we outsource uh, all of that to loan servicers. They're licensed, they handle the compliance, fair debt collection practices, all of those things. So we use note services to service our notes. It's just like a property manager managing a rental property on, on the owner's behalf. A loan servicer services the notes on behalf of the lender. And, um, and it's great because they provide valuable service. They handle all the compliance. They will uh, do outreach to the borrowers as needed to, you know, and things happen all the time. Uh, life happens, right? Life happens. People may get behind. We saw a lot of this during the pandemic. People miss miss some payments or they're out of work temporarily. So the loan servicer works through doing outreach, contact, and um, getting things back on track. And 
they they handle talking to the borrowers. They answer the phone calls. They uh, provide any information that the borrower may need or questions about where are they on their amortization schedule. They handle things like a payoff if the property is being sold or refinanced. The loan servicer handles generating the payoff quote, coordinating that with the title company. So th- those are some of the some of the responsibilities they have, and we rely heavily uh, on that to handle any uh, if there's delinquencies or missed payments. They they take care of that for us. Sure, but oh, that's I guess that's good that that's not something that you have to you know personally be like. Yeah. As you mentioned, like similar to the property manager, if you're self-managing and you're there, that's that's a lot more headache, I guess. And yeah, it is. And in some states, this is state specific, you're not allowed to. Okay. You, you must use a licensed loan servicer in some states. Each state has their own own requirements. But um that that's one of the great, great benefits. But it's like any business, right? You focus on what you're good at, and then the other other things you 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 can't go and do it all. It's not realistic. You you can't scale that way, and so the the vendors that are out there that are good at this, they work in volume, and that's just, this is their niche. Work with them, hire them. They are critical to your success in the business critical to helping you scale and grow your business. It doesn't matter what business you're in. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's absolutely a great piece of advice. What can, I guess, what can go wrong? What do you, what do you see, you know, something, you know, obviously I think that that's what, as a, as a multifamily syndicator, that's a a question I get, right. What, what, what can go wrong here? What do you, what do you talk? If someone asks you that who wants to invest in your fund, what do you, what do you tell them? What are the, the major risks involved? Yeah, so some of the major risks, what can go wrong in note investing? Um, first and foremost, threats threats to the lien, which could come from delinquent taxes or delinquent homeowners association dues or uh, a delinquency on a loan that's senior position to yours. Uh, those, those are all things. Uh, there could be a default where the borrower stops paying. And then you have to use uh, legal recourse, legal process to uh, recover, uh, just like a bank would. Um, other things that could go wrong: there could be a downturn in the real estate market, or or um, where property values drop, like we saw in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, uh, two thousand twenty ten. We saw a lot of that. That will impact the value of notes. And um, a lot of these issues, they can come up, they have to be addressed accordingly, Um, but you're always in a secured position as long as you take steps to protect your position as the lender. And so that gives you the ability to recoup uh, your investment uh, through different different ways. But what what I feel is the most effective way is just through negotiation and dialogue. If um, if there's ever a default, there's ever a problem, the most important thing is to get the dialogue started right away, because I'll, the vast majority of issues can be addressed uh, through that. And so th- those are, are some of the risks. I mean, it, it's it comes down to time. Maybe um, it will take you some time uh, to to recoup your investment or to get things back on track. 
but um, having having many notes, having diversity helps because let's say you have a hundred notes in a portfolio. Yeah, there might be a couple here and there in in miss with having missed payments, having default, but all the other notes they're carrying the load. It's just like like in a multifamily property, you might have one vacancy or two, but all the others are carrying the load and and you have diversification that way. Yeah. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And I guess if you're, I'm imagining you you as a a, a note investor, you don't. I know that you know sort of one of the things if people default is is you can get foreclosed on, but I'm sure you don't actually want to do that, right? It's not your probably not your goal as a note investor to end up owning a bunch of foreclosed homes. No, <clears throat> no, absolutely not, and. Um, it's not lenders. Lenders do not want to have possession of property ever. If um, if you've ever bought property from a bank or seen banks selling property that they took back, um, you will see undoubtedly that banks want to sell that as quickly as possible so that they can recoup their capital. And then what are they going to do? They're going to go out and originate a new loan. That's their business model, not to own properties. They don't want to own property. They don't want the liability or the management responsibilities at all. And so um, that that's always, uh, it doesn't happen that often. People that are investors that like to bid on properties at foreclosure sales, they will become very um, disappointed when they go to an auction for the first time because they will see that there might be 100 properties on the docket for foreclosure sale, and just a handful of them actually get sold. The vast majority, the sale gets postponed or the sale gets canceled. And why is that? It's because most likely between the lender and the borrower, they worked out something, they worked out an arrangement and um, end up canceling the sale. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, it, it just seems if, if that's your sort of investment model, you're not, you're not looking for the headache of managing those properties. And, it, and it's, I, uh, these are for the most part, residential notes that you're, we're talking about. Yes, um, that's that's what we focus on our residential notes. But this this applies to any any type. It could be commercial properties, could be notes on multifamily properties, right, um, or hotels or anything like that. Right. There, they all exist. There's always a market for notes to be bought and sold, and so um, those are some of the areas. But yeah, we focus on residential properties. You're. Your, think of your Fannie Freddie definition of residential property, your one to four unit mm-hmm. residential. That's that's what we focus on. It's very, very interesting. It, it does seem like a, a really great, you know, kind of other asset class to put into your portfolio, you know, just for it, every every asset class has its own specific benefits, but yeah, it seems like it would be a great, you know, kind of that monthly cash flow play that just is a, for the most part, very safe. Um, yeah. It's, vehicle. it's, it is, it's stable, stable and predictable. And, um, you know, for some investors, 
they may um, they may like the note business and want to be active in it, buying mm-hmm. notes, researching, doing the due diligence, and that's great. You can do well with that. For other investors, maybe they they're busy, they don't have time, or uh, they're focused on their profession or their own business, and so for them. Investing passively through a note fund is a better option because they don't have to do much work other than the initial due diligence on the fund when they before investing. But after that, when when you join a note fund as an investor, you get to leverage the expertise, the experience, and the relationships and the access to notes that the fund managers have. And that's huge because in this business, everything is around relationships, relationships with note sellers, with other investors. That's what allows us the accessibility to buying notes, mm-hmm. to be able to go out and find notes to buy. And um, so a lot for a lot of people, they like leveraging that relationship as a passive investor. So th- there's some definitely some different ways to get involved. There's no right or wrong answer. It comes down to how much time do you have and how much time do you want to put into doing this? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's fascinating. It's, it's very uh, interesting, you know, sort of, like I said, I, to me, it's a something I would imagine as an addition to the portfolio and, um, it's a, it's an entirely different, as you just mentioned, like it's an entirely different skill set to be the person that's going to be the active note investor. And so, uh, being, being a part of that, you know, fund like yours, I think would be a great, a great spot to be in. So, um, Fred, let's, let's switch gears here and I'll, I'll ask you the questions that I like to ask every guest. Yeah. Um, if that's all right. Uh, Absolutely. The, the first one is based on the name of the show being Know Your Why. And so um, I like to ask every guest, what is your why? What What's your, you know, sort of driving force behind what you do? Oh, I love, I love this question. Um, for me, it's about making an impact. I want to impact people in in a very positive way. And um, I love speaking, presenting. Um, I love being interviewed on podcasts and sharing sharing my story, sharing my message with people in a way that's um, inspirational and uplifting. I want to I want to inspire as many people as possible to take some of their investment money out of wall street and moving into main street. Yeah. I, I really do. I think, um, as I mentioned before, I think everyone should own real estate in some capacity, whether it's directly or as, as a passive investor. And, um, I, I, especially coming from the engineering industry and the world I was in so many people, all they know about investing is the 401k plan they have at work and that's it. And, you know, 401k plan is great. Don't get me wrong, but you have to realize it's a hundred percent in the stock market. And so I always encourage people take a portion of what you have and diversify true diversification into other asset classes whether it's real estate or notes or uh, some other asset class, which will give you true uh, diversification. And that's a message that I want to spread uh, as much as possible. So I always love sharing about that. 
Um, I wrote about this extensively in my book as well, teaching people how to use how to use self-directed uh, retirement accounts to take some of your money out of Wall Street and put it into other asset classes. But that's yeah. really what inspires me to uh, share that message. Awesome, awesome, and I think it's it's important because people don't a lot of people don't know, right? We just you sort of grow up with learning that the normal is put money in your 401k and your IRA. A lot of people don't know that these other investment vehicles are are actually available to you. So it's, it's great that, that uh, people like yourselves are out there, you know, kind of spreading the message, speaking, uh, coming on podcasts. I think it's, it's really important, uh, really important yeah. to get that, get that out there. Um, second question for you, what is something about yourself that, uh, people might not know the uh, special skill, a hobby, something just to let people get to know you a little better. Sure. Um, wow. Well, let's see. <laughs> there, there's many. Um, I love fitness. I love fitness. It's an important part of my life. And um, I go and train at the gym most days, most days of the week. And here's why, Jason. I'll tell you why. Here I am working, right? Every day, I'm on the phone, I'm on the computer, I'm sitting in this chair all day long. So at the end of the day, for me, it's a great way to unwind. I go down, I go down to my gym and train there. Uh, I train alongside some high level athletes, which is really cool to be in an environment like that, where think about it, I'm like the dumbest guy in the room when it comes to fitness. <laughs> Because yeah. these guys are on a whole nother level. It inspires me, it inspires me to work hard, keep and keep going. And uh, I want to feel strong and energetic every day. I think that's so important as business owners, as entrepreneurs, yeah. we need lots of energy. So when you get your body moving, you get the blood flowing, you get your heart rate up, it brings oxygen to your brain. It changes your whole physiology. It yeah. really does. And, um, and I love that. It's something that uh, at the end of each workday, I basically shut down and I go, I go and work out and uh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree hundred percent. Fitness has been, it's a, a huge part of uh, really who I am, I guess, in the sense that it, I, I the mental benefits as are important to me as much as the physical benefits of exercise. I think, I think yeah. it's a great, great way to, to, have as part of your day, whether it's the beginning or the end, or, you know, on your lunch break, it's good to, good to get something in there. It is. Uh, even if, even if all you do is go for a walk around the yeah. block at lunchtime, oh, yeah. start just, there, right. right? Just get start moving. small, just yep. get moving. It clears your mind, get your blood flowing, as I said earlier, and, um, and you feel good. And when, when you feel good, that sets you up to do great things in life. 100% agree, 100% agree. Um, the next question for you, Fred, when people hear this and they want to reach out to you, what, what's the best way? And we'll, we'll put whatever you want in the show notes as well. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. The best way to connect with me is to visit my website at fredmoskowitz.com. But guess what? Here's an easier spelling. You can also go to giftfromfred.com 
com that'll take you to my website and um, you can connect with me there you can request to download a special report i've put together on node investing happy to share that and uh, send that out to anyone that that requests it and uh, another way to connect with me if you prefer using your mobile device you can text the keyword money to this number 215 461 four, four, three, three, and then just follow the prompts and and connect with me there. I love connecting with investors, speaking with investors, learning about what, what they're up to because everyone's involved in different things. And, uh, you know, our time here is short, but, uh, connecting with me is, uh, is wonderful. And I look forward to, uh, to hearing, hearing about you, learning about you and, uh, building new relationships. Yeah, that's great. And like I said, we'll put all that in the show notes so people can reach out. Um, final question for you. What piece of advice would you give to someone who is getting started in, in uh, investing, whether that's as a, a passive investor or an active investor? What, what would you tell them to kind of get them uh, get them motivated and inspired? Yeah, that's I love this. Um, OK, so. Let me draw from one of my heroes, who's actually one of the founding fathers of this country. Since I'm a Philly guy, I'm from Philadelphia, right? Let's look at Benjamin Franklin, who was one of the founding fathers of this country. And he has this great quote that I love so much. And it is this, an investment in knowledge always pays the highest dividends. And this goes for anyone invest in yourself and do it every year. I I encourage people like make it a line item in your personal budget each year to have money set aside to invest in yourself, in your education, right? And that means uh, signing up to attend workshops and trainings or signing up to go travel to attend an industry conference where you can learn, you have education, you also have networking, you're around like-minded individuals where you can learn and grow and be around people that are on a higher level from you. That is invaluable. And those things, the education, the relationships that you build, that can never be taken away from you. It doesn't matter if you business goes bankrupt, you lose all your money that you have. You still have those relationships. You still have your knowledge and your skills. And so that's something very important. Invest in yourself on an ongoing basis. Be a lifelong learner. And that's the best advice I can give to anyone starting out. I love that. I love that. I love that point about, you know, even if things maybe don't go exactly as you had hoped, expected, you know, you have a, a bad deal, whatever it is, you 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 haven't lost the knowledge, the experience, the relationships, the network. You haven't lost those things. Those are still there. And so you're not you're not starting from scratch. You're starting from you're just starting with all of that in your pocket and more knowledge, more, more uh experience, and you can, you know, sort of build, rebuild from wherever you need to. So um really, really great point. So 
Fred, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate all that you shared about um, node investing. I'm sorry if I asked a lot of dumb questions about that. No, you <laughs> asked excellent was, uh, questions. Don't apologize, Jason. It's, uh, no, absolutely. New to me, so I, I think I think yeah. it's very compelling and and uh, you know sort of interesting asset class. So thank you for coming and sharing. Yeah, being thank a you. first for the podcast. Thank you. And I I wanted to mention one more thing. Anyone that would like to learn more about node investing. Uh, please check out my book. I wrote uh, a great introductory level book called The Little Green Book of Node Investing. It's available on Amazon. And um, I, I share a lot of, of concepts and, and techniques and ideas and strategies about node investing at an introductory level for someone that's just learning about this for the first time. And so uh, if that's something you want to dig, take a deeper dive into and dig into, definitely check it out. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, uh, we'll, we'll put that in the show notes too. So you have, people can uh, find that easily. I think it's a really, uh, would be a really great resource for someone, whether they want to be active or, or passive in, in note investing. So again, thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time out and coming thank on you, and, Jason. and talking to us. So thank you. Thank you. We'll, we'll go ahead and sign out. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.